0: you've sent your son, and all the glory and all the honor goes to you, and we just take this morning just to worship you, and in our lives, I pray that you will continue to penetrate our hearts and teach us what it looks like to worship your name more fully as we go. And Father, I pray this morning that you will saturate this environment. If there's somebody who doesn't see your son as the good news he truly is, I pray this morning that you will break those chains that are preventing them from seeing you as the good news you are and let them find freedom in your name. Because that is where ultimate freedom is found. And we praise you because what you've done is incredible. And who you are is incredible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, so for the youth this morning, uh, you all will stay in here uh, as the youth is coming back from the trip. You all will stay in here, but otherwise, kids, you guys are dismissed. Have a great time, and don't break anything. well how we doing this morning good hey man the seasons change and you guys just come to life i'll tell you what it's awesome and really right on time i mean september 22nd at like nine o'clock was the start of fall and it just got cold didn't it it was wonderful and now i can wear long sleeves and you guys won't make fun of me anymore because a lot of you are wearing them as well so really really glad for this time of year the The leaves are changing. If you look behind us um, as you leave today, there's a row of trees that look just red and awesome. So it's a new season, and we're really thankful for that. Um, Hey, like I said, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, uh, I would love to meet you after the service. Love for you to come up to me, introduce yourself. I'd love to get to know you. I've been helping out here um, as the interim for a period of time, and I'm really grateful to be here with you this morning. We're in the second week of our series called Alone, where we're trying to address this loneliness pandemic that we found ourselves in the past couple of years, and 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 we really believe as Christ followers that this doesn't have to be the new normal, that we don't have to live a life that is physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually alone. That we can have flourishing, good relationships, and and when those seasons do hit, that we experience those isolating moments, that we can um, still have faith that God is going to work good from that situation, that there's going to be good fruit and good things ahead, and that we can maintain hope and, and not give in to the despair and the hopelessness and the purposelessness that comes from isolation. And last week we looked at Genesis 41, the story of Joseph, one of my favorite stories of all time. We're going to continue that this morning, but essentially there were three things that we talked about. One was that Joseph in his severe isolation knew that God was with him. And now that's key, right? Because he never felt ultimately alone because he knew that God was with him. We also talked about how he recognized that there was purpose in his isolation. And sometimes we know what that purpose is, and we can connect the dots, and it's easy to understand why we're going through what we're going through, and sometimes we can't, but otherwise, just having uh, the understanding that God is overseeing this, he's not wasting our suffering, that there's actually purpose in it. And then the third thing we talked about was that Joseph was allowed to forget the pain of his past that led him into isolation, that God worked through that space and allowed him ultimately to have liberation, freedom from the pain that occurred in his life to where he just let go of it. And we're going to continue in the story of Joseph here this morning. And as we're continuing, I want this verse to play in our heads throughout our morning together. It's Philippians 2.5. It says this. It says, In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, we know that Jesus, at, at one point, at the very end of his life on earth, he experiences loneliness. He says, God, why? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he experiences ultimate loneliness. But during that time, the mindset of Christ Jesus is still to move towards others in his isolation. So six of the seven things that Jesus says on the cross have to do with moving towards relationship. Listen to this relational language. The first thing he says, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the second thing he says is to the person beside him on the cross, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. And the third thing he says, he says to Mary, he says, woman, behold your son. By the way, this is, uh, when he says woman, this is a term of endearment at that time. It doesn't mean what it means today. Don't say, hey, woman, today, right? But this is Jesus saying, uh, hey, madam, miss. He says, woman, behold your son. Talking about Jesus' brother. And to the disciple, he said, behold your mother. And the fourth thing he says, he says, father, into your hands I commit my spirit and the fifth thing he says he says my god my god why have you forsaken me and then the sixth thing he says he says it is finished and what is finished well the purpose that god had for him to to serve faithfully and humbly and to give up himself on the cross on our behalf he says it is finished just as you wished father See, in his isolation, do you see how he moved towards others? So to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus is in our isolation and loneliness to move towards our brothers and sisters. When we feel isolated and we move towards others, we will be less alone. When I was uh, leading a youth group uh, a few years back, I had this uh, high school girl in in the group, and she, uh, on Wednesdays, it would be like four or five o'clock, right before a youth group would start, and she would text one of the leaders, and she'd say, you know, I'm dealing with this kind of emotional loneliness, and I just, I feel like I can't make it tonight. And I would just plead with her, and I would say, man, like, that's why we want you here tonight, is because you've had such a hard day. It's because you're experiencing this loneliness like, come and, and let us deal with this thing with you because we care so much about you. And I think the enemy really likes to go to work in our loneliness. He likes to say, okay, go ahead and withdraw more. Now, why does he say that? Because he uh, is like a lion looking for someone to devour. And who's the one that he's going to devour? Think about a lion. Who does a lion prey on? The lion preys on the one who is away from the pack, the one who is isolated and easy to pick out. We must move towards others in our isolation. And now this is where it gets hard. That's the easy part. This is where it gets hard. Also, to move towards those brothers and sisters who have wronged us. Those who have hurt us. Jesus on the cross is, is going to bat for the very people who made him go to the cross in the first place. Now, this morning, I'm not going to ask you to move towards people who have created abusive situations in your life. They create unsafe situations for you and your family. I'm not asking you to move towards those people in terms of reconciliation, because reconciliation takes two parties, right, to reconcile, but forgiveness takes one. Forgiveness takes us in our hearts without anybody ever coming to us and saying, I release you of the debt that you owe me. And you can do that without even being able to talk to that person. If that person who wronged you is deceased, you can still release them of that debt in your heart. I'm not asking you to move back towards relationships that just are not good for you. That's not what I'm asking from you today, but I am asking you to move towards them in our ability to forgive, in our ability to forgive others. And to get into this a little bit further, we're going to get into Genesis 45. I told you we would continue in the uh, story of Joseph, I think we could spend ten weeks here, but we're just spending three. Uh, we're in the second week, Genesis 45. Um, I'm not going to recap everything from last week, uh, but essentially what you need to know for our purposes this morning is that Joseph was one of twelve brothers, and the other twelve were really jealous of him because their dad really liked him and made him this colorful robe and all this, and he paraded around, and they got jealous, and they said, Hey, let's kill him, and one of the brothers says, Actually, no, let's make some money off of him. We'll sell him into slavery. Well, Joseph is faithful and all that, and God has a purpose in all that. And uh, eventually, Joseph is second in command of all of Egypt. And really, he's basically the most powerful person in all of Egypt because Pharaoh trusts him so much that he just lets Joseph do whatever he wants to do because he trusts Joseph. So one day, there's a famine just as... Uh, Joseph interpreted in a dream. They're two years into a seven-year famine, and there's a famine in Egypt and in the lands across. So these same brothers who uh, put Joseph into slavery uh, probably about 13 years ago, put Joseph into slavery, and now they're coming back to Egypt to essentially try to buy food because there's been food stocked up in the house of Joseph because he kind of saw this stuff coming. So he's been saving up money uh, and food and that sort of thing. And so now these brothers come before Joseph. They don't realize that it's Joseph. They have no idea what's ever happened to Joseph. And they come before him and they don't recognize him right away. And Joseph, though, recognizes them from the second he sees them. But he doesn't reveal himself. Instead, what he decides to do is he says, I'm going to test them to just kind of get a feel for where their hearts are at at this moment. And it's this series of him stepping out of the room and just weeping and then coming back and talking with them and then weeping some more and back and forth and back and forth. And finally, he can stand it no more. And he reveals himself here in Genesis 45. We're going to read uh, 1 through 20. We're going to kind of stop and start along the way this morning. It says this, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Now, Let's stop there for a second. Now, why is he weeping so loudly? Here's my interpretation. You didn't ask for it, but I'm just going to give it anyway. Here's here's what I think is happening. You know how when when you miss out on an opportunity, this is a much lesser example, but you know how when you miss out on an opportunity for a job and you say, I'm going to make that boss rue the day that they didn't hire me, right? And you play it out in your mind, you say, Uh, You know, one day I'm going to be at a much higher position than they ever were and their business is not going to do so well because it can't withstand without my presence there and one day this person will come to me and they'll say, I'm so sorry, I should have hired you, what was I thinking, right? Anybody else? Am I the only one? Okay. (laughs) Thank you. I was about to say, I'm going to have to check my, well, I need to probably do that anyway but I thought, man, you know. Wow, I'm alone here, but uh, speaking of, the series, okay, bad joke. But, uh, but yeah, so this is what's going on here to a much higher degree, right? In his heart, it's, he's probably for years played this out in his mind of, if I ever see them again, they're going to be so, so sorry. But here's the thing. He also knows that his father would never want that. That to do something like that, to use his power in his authority, to now harm his other brothers for what they've done, he knows that would cause his father more pain. And he also knows that there's been a greater purpose in all this, that God has overseen the whole thing and there's been purpose in it. And he also knows, ultimately, that he no longer wants to be isolated from his family. Remember what we talked about last week, that all he really ever probably wanted was to just be home the way he was supposed to be, to be the heir to his family, to, to, um, to live in the land that he was supposed to be in. So ultimately, he knows that this could be an opportunity not to be isolated anymore. So he finally reveals himself to his brothers. But when you let go of your fleshly desire for revenge... There's pain involved in that, isn't it? To say you forgive somebody, to let go of the justice that you feel like you need in your heart, to uh, let go of the revenge or even the reparation or whatever is needed, there is pain involved. So he just mourns the letting go of his revengeful heart. He's painfully letting go of the response that he might want to give For the response he knows God wants him to give. Verse 3. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Now, of course they are. I mean, they know what they've done and they know the power now that Joseph has. And they cannot even utter any words In this moment, the combination of shock and horror and not knowing what's going to happen next renders them completely speechless. The gravity, the weight, the magnitude of the possible consequences coming their way for what they've done just allows them to just not even be able to speak. Verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph. The one you sold into Egypt? He says, He says, get, come, come here, get a good look at my face. I'm the one that you remember uh, a while back. You got jealous of me. You, you didn't really care about my life. You didn't care about how my dad felt. You remember that? And you sold me into slavery. Y'all remember? Does it ring any bells, right? To which they got to be thinking, man, like, we had, we had a good run. I mean, our brother now, he's in the White House, essentially, you know. He's got all the power and all the authority over our lives, and he can do this, and it's over for us. So they're bearing the, the weight of what they've done and the consequences that ought to be present there. And by the way, if that was the story, nobody would bat an eye at that. They would say, yeah, he's fully justified If he snaps his fingers and sends these brothers to their death, or if he says, you guys are going to spend 13 years in slavery to pay off this debt, nobody would bat an eye at that. So his response here is unbelievable and unexpected. Here's how he moves towards his brothers, despite how much they've wronged him so brutally and badly. This is Gospel 101, a, a glimpse of the mindset of the coming Jesus who moves towards us. Verse 5. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of the entire household, and ruler of all of Egypt. I mean, wow. Joseph's response is to say, This thing is so much bigger than you or I. There's so much purpose. God and his authority and power is so much bigger than even these decisions that you've made that wronged me so much. He says there's a bigger purpose. It's that God has come to restore his people, to save and to restore his people. That's why these things have happened. And y'all, if you want to know one of the reasons why I think our culture feels so isolated so sad, so much going on. I think it's because we continue to give so much power to other people in their decisions that they make, that, that, that they're held over us so much. And we have an invitation as Christians to take a step back and understand that God's perspective is so much bigger, that He's with us, that He's here with us, that He's for us, He's never going to leave us alone, and that He can take Bad things and turn them to good. Man, there's freedom from what's been done for us where we can just forgive in that moment and time. When we understand that God has a plan and a purpose in the midst, we can freely forgive our brothers and sisters, even those who have hurt us so much. To have the same mindset of Christ Jesus is to trust God enough to just say, I release that debt that you owe me. I release it from you. And again, I'm not talking about reconciliation. Man, I would love reconciliation. The whole Bible is reconciliation everywhere. And it's beautiful stories. I'm not asking that of you this morning. I'm just asking you to forgive. To release that person of that debt. Y'all, Joseph went through the ringer and had an understanding that God had a purpose God is working here. God has never left me. And because of that, man, I can just freely, freely give. His priorities here are, are really just what I long for our priorities to be. To value our relationship with God so highly. And then what Jesus says right behind that, our relationships with others So much that we say, what do I have to do to release this person of the debt they owe me? Because I have the perspective that I want to have this relationship, as far as it depends on me, to have this relationship again and to have freedom from whatever that person did to me. Y'all, we can't hold on to what people have done to us. It's not good for us. It's not good for them. It's not good for relationship. It's not good for the kingdom. And man, Joseph here, the freedom that he must have felt in this moment to just let go, to just let go. Verse 9. Now, hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. Now, that's awkward. I mean, think about what they've got to do at this point, right? Hey, uh, Dad, you remember we told you that Joseph had died like a wild animal came and, you know, killed him? Um, Well, it turns out we actually sold him into slavery. Uh, We were kind of jealous, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, think about it. This takes some humility to confess what they've done. It says, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and uh, be near to me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and all that you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother uh, Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen. And bring my father down here quickly. Of course, quickly. We talked about not being in a hurry a couple of weeks ago, but when hurry is on account of love and affection, and you haven't seen your father in many, many years, you say, get him quickly. I can't wait to see my father again. Now, another point I want to make here is sometimes we say that we forgive somebody, but really what we're saying is, I'm not going to hold you accountable for the consequences of what you've done. Now, Joseph here is not doing that. Joseph has actually released them of their debt, and we know that because why? Because he is humbly using his position of power over them actually to leverage their own benefit. Now, think about the love in that. And we talked about Philippians 2, 5, right after it, it, talks about how Jesus had all power and all authority and used his position of power, not for his own gain, but to leverage for our behalf. And this is what Joseph is doing here. The mindset of Jesus is to use your power, his power, to leverage our success. And this is what Joseph is doing here. He's foreshadowing Becoming Jesus in all his glory, and all his power and authority on our behalf. Verse 14. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Now, this is obviously a much different weeping than before. This is a weeping of the best kind, of reconciliation of this is a weeping of I'm no longer in isolation I took the step of obedience to move towards the people who brutally wronged me and and they actually received that they humbly confessed what they had done and we've come back together and I'm no longer isolated I'm with my family and praise God I just pray I just cry tears of joy in this moment And so they just, I just picture them on their knees, just hugging and crying for hours. Because this is the gospel right here. Reconciling people to other people. Reconciling ourselves to God and to others. This is the entire gospel right here. And let us be a people. Just get excited about this kind of stuff, man. To see people come back together after there's been pain and struggle. To see the belief in what God is doing and the understanding and the obedience that it takes to actually reconcile a relationship. Man, this is everything. And let us be a a church that continues to just say, man, we desire reconciliation. All the time in our community, in our families, all across the world, we get excited about reconciliation. Verse 16. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come... Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Man, I don't know a whole lot about this Pharaoh or his officials, but I just, the way they champion, man, this is great. This is good stuff. Man, that's everything. This is awesome. And that's what I desire for us as well. Verse 17 Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, do this load your animals and return to the land of Canaan, and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this. Take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives, and get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings, because the best of all of Egypt is yours. Y'all, the family certainly did not deserve this incredible grace given to them. But they've been given a seat at the table to prosper, to not grow hungry during a time of famine, just the way that Jesus invites us to the table to feast in the midst of our own sin. It's a wonderful story. And because he's reconciled us to him, now we get to move into a new kingdom, leaving the old stuff behind and embracing the new. This is what happens when we move towards others. In reconciliation, this is what happens. We experience the fullness of life that we were intended to experience. Why? Because God knows that the ultimate prize for us is relationships. That to have flourishing relationships with God and with others, this is fullness of life. And in order to have that fullness of life That he extends to us. We have got to let that stuff go. In short, y'all, forgiven people, forgive people. Forgiven people, forgive people. In fact, Jesus says on multiple occasions that if we want God to forgive us, we must forgive others. Because forgiven people, forgive people. Matthew 6, 14, 15 says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Again, I'm not asking you this morning to go into unsafe situations. I'm not asking you to go back into abusive situations. I am asking us, though, no matter who has wronged you, what they've done, I'm asking you to release that debt from them in your heart, even if they don't ask for it. The question I have for this morning is, Very simply, who do you need to forgive this morning? Who do you need to move towards in your isolation this morning? Or flip it around, who do I need to ask forgiveness from this morning? My invitation for us is no matter whose fault it is, no matter how big that thing might be and how little fault that you might have in it, my invitation for us is to move towards one another today and experience the fullness of life that God has for us. I'm going to do things just a little bit differently uh, this morning. The worship team, you you all can go ahead and come forward. I'm going to stand at the front here, and if you need prayer this morning, man, I would love to pray with you. If you say, Dallas, I I hear what you're saying, and I believe that it's true, but I, I don't really know if I can do that. Like, this thing that this person done was, did was so severe, I just don't know if I can, if I can actually forgive them. Or, or maybe it's on the flip side of, you know, I need to ask forgiveness, but I'm just so embarrassed and I'm so ashamed, and I just don't know if I can have the courage and the boldness to actually approach this person and ask them for forgiveness. Man, I'd love to just pray with you this morning. Or maybe you're here today and you don't know how to forgive, and it's because... You don't know that you have been forgiven. That you don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus. Man, I would love to process through that with you this morning and pray with you. Guys, we have fallen so short of the glory of God. And His grace is so big and so strong to cover it. Man, that's worth celebrating. And if you've never truly embraced that good news this morning, I'd love to pray with you through that. I'm not going to twist your arm make you make any decisions, I'd love to just process through that with you. I'll be here at the front if you need prayer. I'd love to pray with you during this time of worship. The altar is also open for you as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the staggering stories that you uh, show to us that gives us.